Dear self-care, you are the rage I feel when I pass the face masks in the $5 section at Target. You are the tired anthem of women's magazines promoting fad diets with photoshopped cover photos. Self-care, you are the generic, unsolicited advice from an acquaintance I wish I hadn't started a conversation with because now she's getting in my business and thinks she's helping by pointing out that my toes aren't painted and don't I know I need to take some time for myself? You are a no-win to-do item, a luxury that always feels way out of my emotional budget. I feel guilty when I indulge and resentful if I don't. I gag when I hear your name. I roll my eyes when I read it on a scented candle label. And that's why I'm dedicating this series of my show to you. Because underneath that saccharine superficial exterior, I think there might be something worth saving in you. Or not. And in that case, we'll just roast you for a few episodes and move on. Worst wishes, Lisa. Welcome to The Lisa Show where we take a good look at life. This episode, we'll talk about why I'm doing a whole series about a topic that usually makes me mad. Then I'll tell you what vomit on a white rug and Maroon 5's Grammy win have in common. This is the first episode of our series on self-care because you are more than a parent, a spouse, an employee. I believe there's something divine in you which deserves to be cared for and loved. Make sure you stick around. complicated relationship with self-care, specifically with the term self-care. We hear it everywhere, all the time. It's a buzzword. It's cliche. And it brings up all these images. At least it does for me. And maybe this is a sign that I've watched too many shampoo commercials. But what comes to mind are these stock photo bubble baths. You know, the perfectly brightly lit bathroom, giant claw foot tub, and a model with hair, and a perfect messy bun that's not really messy, and a full face of makeup dreamily staring at their own leg as they raise it out of the water just because self-care. So unrealistic. It's really funny. And, and maybe there's some sour grapes in why I shudder when people talk about this because yes, you know, I honestly would love it if my life were so uncomplicated that my bathing ritual included fixing myself a charcuterie board to prop up on the edges of the candlelit bubble bath instead of just completely zoning out for a precious minute and a half in a lukewarm shower because my kids have used up all the hot water and I really don't have any option of doing this later. Self-care. But in certain moments of my life where all my time and attention and energy needed to be devoted to my family, the suggestion of self-care could almost feel insulting. Like, you know, it was so frivolous compared to the sacrifices I was making just to make it to tomorrow. And I know I'm not alone here. You know, I mentioned to my sister, Gina, that we were working on a series dedicated to self-care and the look on her face, she just said, I hate self-care. Yeah, self-care has some explaining to do. And I think maybe a lot of us have been burned at some point by a fictional idea of what self-care is or should be. And in the meantime, maybe there's still something buried there which we really need. 
So for the next few episodes, we're diving deep into this. We're going back to the source of self-care-related angst, exploring how it evolves over a lifetime and even multiple generations. And if we've done our job right, we'll extract the heart of self-care, the part that real people actually need. I was first aware of self-care when I was a single college student, stressed out about work and school and balancing a social life and all of that, you know, kind of learning how to be an adult. And self-care came in the form of a delicious turkey bagel sandwich from Mama's Cafe, right? So I would think, listen, if you can work really hard on Friday, you can go get the sandwich or whatever. But most of my self-care came in the form of stress release um, as an extrovert, with being with my friends and doing crazy things. And in college, it was so much easier, right, to get together with your friends and say, hey, we're going to go do this really funny thing or we're all going to dress up in costumes and have a dance party or stuff like that. It doesn't happen later in life. I didn't know that then. But I just enjoyed college for the kind of, you know, fun, goofy, spontaneous get-togethers that I was able to have and was able to take it for granted that this was part of my self-care. I really honestly don't think that I was aware of it. Now, as I got a little bit older and I became a teacher, then I started thinking of self-care in terms of that work-life balance. I taught junior high and high school. It is not for the faint of heart. It was intense. And that's when I started thinking about, okay, so how much time do you spend for your job? How much above and beyond do you go? What's healthy How can you sustain that? And it's interesting because I think back and I remember thinking after my second year of teaching, okay, I could do this for like five years and then I would need to, you know, do something else, go back to college and get another degree or teach a different, you know, grade. I don't know because it was so intense. Um, When I had kids, especially young kids, self-care, I mean, this is where self-care like the rubber meets the road, right? Where you're like, wait a second, there's no end or beginning to taking care of little kids. It's just constant all the time coming at you at such a force because they need so much and you love them so much. You want to give them everything. And a demand is a demand. This is the tricky part, I think, of self-care because when you have little kids, it's not like you can say to a crying baby, baby, I have a headache. I just need to go back to sleep for like two hours, and then I'll be up and fresh and ready to go. I'm just going to take a little sick day, and you'll be fine. Now, I mean, of course, you can't say any of that to a baby. It's just constant at all times. Um, And so that line where you can reason with your kid or you can get a babysitter or figure out a sleeping schedule or feeding schedule and negotiate with your partner care and that kind of back and forth is a delicate game. And all of that negotiating has to do with your time and your your energy, which is so connected to self-care. So it's funny because I feel like that's when we all sort of collectively in society go, yeah, this is rough, right? Like, this is hard. Like, how do we do this? So what works for one person isn't going to always, like, work for the other person. And that was certainly true for me when my kids were little. Sometimes, you know, sleep was all I needed. Another time it was like, no, I need better nutrition. (laughs) Or sometimes it was like, no, I need to talk to an adult. And so that constant sort of changing and shifting uh, was such an intense time that I learned that self-care, that you've always got to kind of mix it up. But what was frustrating to me at that time of life that is still frustrating to me now about self-care is that if you need something 
something that only self-care, you know, can answer internally, it's really hard for someone from the outside to be able to observe it. Because I remember when I was drowning with negotiate with my husband's schedule and my kids, and I just felt like, wait, okay, there's nothing left for me. I don't know what's happening. And people would compliment me all the time, like, oh, you've got it all together. Oh, what a great family. You guys are doing so great. And I always thought, I am? What? (laughs) Because inside I thought, no, I'm screaming for help. Like, this isn't sustainable. Like, what are we doing? This is crazy. So that can be a lonely place to be in, to identify, like, not only what you need for self-care, but how how it manifests it. I did learn a couple of things, though, and I kind of became my—not kind of, I absolutely became my own advocate for what I needed. And through a lot of time and thinking, I came to learn some ways that helped me during the time when my kids were all very little and life was very intense, that I gave myself a day off uh, mentally. I didn't tell anybody else this, but, like, I would choose one day, and sometimes it would, you know, be a Wednesday, sometimes a Thursday, whatever— knowing that I, as the mom, was on call 24-7, weekends, nights, it doesn't matter, that, you know, other professions got days off. I didn't. So I would give myself a mental day off where I didn't worry about cooking or cleaning or the parts of having little kids that were stressful to me. And I would just give my permission of like, oh, I don't do those things on the Thursdays, you know, and make sure that I had something, you know, to look forward to. You know, self-care with teenagers is a mental game. And I don't want this to be a bash on teenagers at all because I love them. They're delightful. But sometimes they can hurt your feelings. (laughs) And this is developmentally appropriate behavior. And, you know, when my kids started doing developmentally appropriate behavior, like, oh, I don't know, not wanting me to touch them in public even like, you know, put my hand just anywhere near their elbow or to be seen with them or talk about them or look at them. Even though these things are developmentally appropriate, it it's a mental game and it doesn't feel good. And a lot of times in parenting, I have felt like, okay, I need to deal with this. This is my problem. They're hurting my feelings. So I need to be able to build myself up And that is a form of self-care, and it's a mental, kind of an emotional game. Uh, Something that has been the best part of self-care in in dealing with developmentally appropriate teenagers has been talking with other parents, right, with friends, being able to vent, being able to have them witness it, and, uh, you know, so that you can laugh together. You know, the other day, I, I... was with my friend and and my daughter was there and I wanted to like, oh, I want to give her a compliment, you know, like in public to let her know like how I feel about her. So I said something like, oh, Margaret told me and Margaret really quickly interrupted me and she goes, I never said that. And I <laughs> hadn't even finished my sentence and I was so embarrassed, but so glad that my friend was there. I looked at her and I was like, so that's how that's going. <laughs> and kind of let the moment sort of float out there. And it just helps having somebody on the same page as you, doesn't it? That is also like an emotional form of self-care that I, I mean, I wouldn't survive. Would any of us survive without our friends during this stage of a development? So as it kind of like ebbs and flows, I think of self-care 
you know, sometimes one thing has worked in my life and it won't work forever, but it just worked for that period of time or for that, you know, situation. And, you know, sometimes it cuts it and sometimes it doesn't. And I've appreciated, you know, the good friends that I've had that encourage, well, why don't you try this or why don't you try that? But it really is an internal thing and it runs a lot deeper. It's something that, you know, I don't underestimate anymore. You know, I don't just think of it, oh, this is such a great thing to do. You know, yeah, you deserve it. Buy the shirt. You know, go drive through and get your soda and cookie. Or, you know, do you take care of you? I don't see it like that anymore. I see it more as, because of life circumstances, boundaries. And I see it as healthy relationships and cutting yourself some slack and really creating a life that you love that, of course, is not free from problems, but that sets yourself up with your unique perspective and strengths for success. We have convened this council of moms to really, you know, get to the bottom of an issue because when you really want to figure out what is what or what's going on, you talk to your group of friends. And I'm really lucky that I have a great uh, council of moms for everyone here today. And I'm going to have them introduce themselves and what stage of parenting they're in. And I'm going to give an example. So I'm Lisa Valentine Clark and the stage of parenting I am in is to this learning to keep my mouth shut. It's none of my business parenting stage as I learn to parent adult children. <laughs> Next we have... Hi, I'm Brandalee Streeter, Brandalee Bluth Streeter, and I am in a great parenting stage. I have two of my older kids. My husband and I have five kids, and our oldest two um, are my stepkids, and they have launched into college land and um, working and in, in school. And then we have three younger kiddos, and those they're all in fun ages, 12, 10, and 7. And it just feels like a really fun stage, <laughs> and we're loving it. <laughs> Very cool. I'm Emily Taylor, and that's funny that you asked that because I just had my first leave the nest. So she's in college, um, just starting, and then I have four younger kids. They're all teenagers. So I had kids super close together. So I'm in the stage of like, I've only got a little bit of time left, so I'm feeling like I need to to put in some extra extra love. And finally, uh, Wendy, who I need to say may sound a little bit different because we are patching her in all of the way from Lincoln, Nebraska. So she's not in studio with, so you're going to sound a little special, but Wendy, introduce yourself. Yes, I am Wendy Marr. I'm, yes, here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm a mom of four. And what stage of parenting am I in? I am in the throes of the trenches of parenting. (laughs) I have four. I have a 23-year-old who's married and actually has given me a wonderful grandbaby that makes a lot of parenting easier. I have a 21-year-old, I have a 17-year-old, and I have a 14-year-old. So balancing between teenagers and adult children and welcoming a in-law and a grandbaby. I'm jealous, by the way. I just, as a side note, you should be. <laughs> I, I just, it's I so feel good. like, I, and I'm sure I'm idealizing it, but having a grandbaby would just like, 
the bonus. Help heal all the times that my feelings have been hurt by motherhood. <laughs> I will say, I say a lot. Anybody, anybody that has teenagers should have access to a baby. Yeah, they sure. Just okay, have I like that. Free access to a baby. I guess and Wendy I has dog. given me that. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Wendy lets babies. me share. Co co grandparent. This go. this yeah. this child gets a lot of attention. Okay, so Council of Moms, what do you do for self-care? Or <laughs> what don't I you would, do that you I should do? Gonna, <laughs> I'm looking around at, at, at all of your eyes and you're just all kind of like have blank looks on your face and you're nodding like a lot, like nodding like, yeah, 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 self-care. So, so maybe let's back it up. When I say self-care, what do you think? I'll, I'll start. I think, so I, I do shows. Okay, I get to go and do uh, musical theater productions here in my community, and I just have a really supporting husband and and kids who just are know that it's important to me and it's where I thrive, and I like that one. Okay, <laughs> so I had the blank look because I was like, I I was just sick, and I I did the whole like I'm actually gonna rest. I like canceled my appointments when I was sick. But then it was 6 o'clock, and there was no dinner made. All the dishes are there. <laughs> Everybody's on a device. And I'm like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And then I finally go out, and I start doing the dishes. My husband comes home. He actually came home early from a meeting and was like, hey, what are you doing? I should be doing this. So we have chatted about this whole situation of kind of the mom when she's sick never gets to rest. But it was nice to actually be able to rest. But every day I like to go hiking and I go with my dog. And when you have teenagers, I think you should either have a grandbaby or a dog who just loves you regardless of what happens. Right? (laughs) Unconditional love. Yes. At my stage of parenting, I think self-care has become a little bit easier. When you're in the throes of like newborns and toddlers, you think that self-care is like, I get to take a shower today. Mm Um, But I think it's important to remember that those types of things, don't think of those as self-care. Those are things that you should, you just really need to get to do those. But self-care for me lately is more things like really paying attention to how I feel and knowing when I need to take a time out from my family or from my work. Um, So, and not feeling bad about that and just saying, hey, I'm, I need two hours tonight by myself to read a book to sit in my bed, to go for a hike, to... And I think one thing that I've discovered is it's really important for my kids to see me doing that for myself because I'm teaching them how to self-regulate themselves too, where they can pay attention to things that they need to. I I think that proactiveness of of modeling that for your kids Mm -hmm. is the ideal. I've done it the wrong way where like... Do you know when you're in one of those moods? For me, it looks like I'm picking things up off the floor and I'm saying, well, who, who put their socks on the yes. floor? Why, why, do, why do you? And I'm not talking to anyone. Or like, oh, I guess we just put our wet towels on the floor in instead of on the rack right by it because we can't be bothered. And it's I sort of get in that like little rager and I'm a lot better of it at it. Yes. now. Like, I, I, I've i learned not to do that, where I just sort of talk out loud to myself. And then my kids, especially my older, who has a very sweet, emotionally intelligent disposition, will say, hey, mom, hey, 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 you want to go to the gym? Do you, you need to go for a run? And I'd be like, why? No, I'm fine. I don't have the problem. You guys have the problem, you know? And, and, and a little, like, tricky. It's, it's a sad 
it's a sad moment. It's a humbling moment when your kids are like, maybe you need a timeout. Maybe you need to go do something. Come back when you have a better attitude. My oldest daughter will do that. She'll be like, don't you need to call your friends? I feel like you need need maybe a dinner out. Are you going to lunch? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Are you going to lunch? Yeah. Oh, well, one thing I was thinking of is like, why don't we do a little more prevent? Like I always like, um, mm. I like to call, I'm a mediator and like do conflict resolution, but we talked about like oblige your fatigue it, that I get in that, like oh, about yes. the dishes. Mm-hmm. That's why last night, like when I was not feeling well and I was just like, I am so sick of having these dishes here. And yeah. then I'm going to make everybody be so sick of it. But <laughs> trying to think of like ways that you can weave it in, like instead of it coming to a crisis, I mean, that's the trick, right? Like you can't be on top of everything all the time, but trying like my husband and I had just chatted about something beforehand that he was going to come home early. So I'm glad I actually said, "Oh yeah. Yes, please come home early because usually I would just say, "Oh fine, it's fine. It's fine." <laughs> but it's fine. You know, like in all my words, eyes. fine. Boy, have Wrong we weaponized fine. that word. Fine all doesn't fine. have its original intended meaning anymore. It's Fine. <laughs> in Italian, it means okay. the end. So maybe you're like, you're going to like blow up, right? Okay. Okay, maybe it does have its intended. <laughs> and I mean in the Italian way. It's fine. <laughs> We're all fine. <laughs> so, you know, that preventative part, I really do think is a part of this self-care. And when I think about self-care and what, it's obviously like changed for me over the years. And, and it, sometimes I'm like, you just don't feel like do you know, what, Build your soul before at different phases of life, you know, doesn't doesn't always work. And that's kind of a frustrating thing. I agree. I think it does change through life and through your children's phases, right? Um, I had two stepkids and and we had to deal with kind of co-parenting. And that got really tricky sometimes where I would try really hard to to substitute what the other household was doing or not doing and try and second guess things. And that was heavy on me and I was putting that on myself rather than just allowing certain circumstances to 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 happen instead of just you know we can we can avoid trying to second guess what somebody else is feeling or thinking and and allow um yourself saving kind of yourself through those phases but our kids depending on their ages and where they're at it also is tricky and and we're trying to you know navigate all those waters as a parent it's tricky it's tricky. It's tricky. Giving yourself some grace on that mm-hmm. is it, it looks different, I think, for every family. Yeah, I like what you said that like maybe what used to work even mm-hmm. for you for self-care is not what you need right now. Yeah. And then so you kind of have to let people like let yourself know and then also let the people around you know. Like, hey, you know mm-hmm. what? I actually like right now, like I am by myself a lot because I'm studying again where I actually need to be around people. Like, so I actually have to plan more of that stuff. So it's kind of the reverse of what my life was before when I was working. Yeah. Hmm. So to be like, to just accept what stage you're in and not kind of confine yourself to who you were or who who else, you know, who everyone else is too. Or what society like expects you to do for self-care. They're like, just do this. And it's so easy. Go get a massage. Yeah. Like that's going to work for everybody. You know, I have a friend who's like hates to be touched. Mm-hmm. She's like, <laughs> you can be a pedicure and a massage. Like I'm going to feel snappy the whole time. Like just leave me alone and let me read a book. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to kind of figure that out for ourselves. And I, I kind of like all the social media stuff that's coming on about like, you're enough. Like, you don't have to. Like, rest is important. It's an important part of work and stuff. And I don't think that I necessarily, like, we got 
in in society in general, like that message. Mm-hmm. I, I think it also can relate to how we receive love languages, right? And and re- knowing what happens for our partner or what for our kids, and then them also understanding what our need is in that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I have thought of was self care is I always. Um, I, you know, I'm a big time people pleaser. I always thought that my self-care was like, I'm going to take care of everybody, which is great. But I think I had to learn that it was okay to say no when my, when my cup was really overloaded um, and to not feel guilty about that. And then, you know, lower the bar and don't try to control the whole situation. It's okay. It's impossible. I, but like, <laughs> yes. it is okay. And I, I absolutely like my brain is just going ding, ding, ding. I agree. Hearing and being able to kind of talk it through. I also want to mention reconciliation after I've done something is also a really great way for me to feel self-care. Yeah. And it's a hard one, but hard. I have felt like such an an amazing, and, and that's really been for my older children specifically, where I've been able to go to them and say, I wish I had done that differently, and I'm sorry, and I hope, you know, I want to do better, you mm-hmm. know. And my younger kids, of course, it's, it is on the daily also if I get, you know, short with them, but it it seems to have really mattered with my older children and being able to say, I did. I wish I had handled that situation differently, and I want to reconcile that. And, and with other relationships, not just with my kids, but that feels so much lighter and just a, such a better experience when I can just reconcile right. those it's things. Right. So, that's such a great perspective, and I hadn't really thought about that because, you know, like in our— in a, you know, religious tradition, we talk about repentance and then, you know, to take away that, the, that, that feeling or whatever. And, and using that like in, in, a, in a practice, like with parenting, can have that same sort of like restart mm-hmm. in, in a meaningful way. It is like a lot of self-care initially uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable to schedule time for yourself to say no to people, to reconcile, <laughs> to admit that you're wrong, to say out loud in a sarcastic way, my feelings are hurt. Nobody cares. <laughs> like whatever, like how whatever your self-care process is, it, it's just dawning on me that sometimes it is initially uncomfortable. Because when you think about self-care, you think it's, uh, uh, I think, well, you, we should be running to do it because it's in our self-interest. So why don't we? Why do we avoid it? Or why do we do things that are ineffective and expect a different result yeah. every time? And and I, th- I think that must be part of it. Uh, you know, that initially sometimes self-care is uncomfortable for whatever reason. Yeah, I was thinking sometimes we equate self-care with pampering ourselves. Kind of like oh, you're yes. not dealing with any of the issues, but I love how you said like, you feel lighter. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, if I really am caring about myself, I'm going to kind of try to make my peace more likely. So I'm going to have to look at something maybe uncomfortable, but then get in the pattern of saying sorry. Like with my kids, because they're all teenagers, the nagging is real. Like I try not to. Like when I, it's like 10 at night and like my child comes down to ask for math homework oh. and like math at 10 is not usually <laughs> no. good for Or me. when they ask for a trifold poster board <laughs> oh, yes, and you're yes. like, the local market closes in 10 minutes. Now I have a rush of anxiety and I was going to go to sleep a exactly. month ago. It was, you know, yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. And amen. No, I love how, well, I mean, Wendy really like started us off because 
like society will teach us self-care is a face mask and a bubble bath and maybe taking a day off work and staying in bed and eating ice cream and watching Netflix. And I'm not saying, and like Wendy was saying, no, you should do these things on a regular basis. This is just how we should be living. But pampering is not self-care. And of course, to no surprise that when I convene a council of moms, you know, (laughs) as such as this, you know, the people that you really go to did to give you like the hard won truths though that that we would acknowledge that like of yeah like that doesn't even scratch the surface but like getting to to the real heart of it you know like i remember like when i was grieving like in an intense way just want to acknowledge that i'm always grieving <laughs> and that i'm not okay no just kidding but not kidding <laughs> oh, um, yes. but when it was the most intense and i was like oh what is this what am i going to do i did lay in bed and watch netflix to try to turn my brain off. I did all those things and it didn't work. And the work that I had to do to take care of my inner self, my core self, which is at the heart of self-care, was so much harder. Mm -hmm. And I see why people want to numb it. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to be so judgy for people who numb it with drugs, alcohol, food, entertainment, whatever you, Mm -hmm. whatever your drug of choice is. I'm like, oh, now I get it. This is so horrible. This, This is why people numb it. And, and really to care for yourself and not just your body, but your, like your mind and your soul. Like that, it is uncomfortable, especially yeah. to start. When I was pregnant with my fifth child, my husband was out of town and all of the kids and myself had the flu. And I had just discovered Friday Night Lights online. So my life really kind of had adjusted to that level of excitement that, okay, the kids are all sick, but at least I got a new show. And I remember being very pregnant in a really worn down gray muumu, <laughs> scrubbing red Kool-Aid induced vomit off of my new wool rug on my hands and knees. So I was just kind of chastising myself, like, this is not your first rodeo. You know better than to do... This is never going to come out. Spoiler, it never came out. But I was going to try, and I was really getting into this stain because I had saved money for that rug. I was so excited about this rug, and then I was thinking, why do I buy anything? Like, I just need to wait till my kids are older to care about what my house looks like. And I got a phone call. And so I picked up the phone. It was my little brother, James. And he's such a sweetheart. And he called me just to check in to see how I was doing and to let me know that he won a Grammy again. (laughs) And I was so excited for him. But I was really struck with the the differences in our lives in that moment, me kneeling on in a big moo-moo trying to get this stain out of this carpet while he is literally in Paris at Lenny Kravis's uh, mansion and telling me about it and how much I would love it. And he's describing it. And again, so nice about it. He's not rubbing it in my face. My little brother James is in Maroon 5 and he's the kindest person. And he's telling me about his life and I want to hear about it. And so he's telling me all the details and it's so good to hear his voice and to catch up because it had been a while. We have a really great talk, and then he hangs up. So I hung up the phone, and I just sort of had this moment, looking around, smelling the bleach, realizing that 
I had spent the last few days just completely immersed in taking care of other people. And I realized that I was going to have to look at self-care in a little bit of a different way. In that moment, I knew that none of the cliches were going to work. This wasn't about just, you know, getting a face mask or taking a bubble bath, but that I was really going to need to go deeper. I wanted to do this series on self-care because I think we get it wrong. We're talking about superficial things that don't really speak to the core of what we really need when we think about nurturing ourselves in the many areas of our lives. Women especially, and particularly Gen X, although I've seen it in a lot of generations of women, get caught up on this idea of doing more, you know, more organization, more programs, more good ideas as a way to self-care when sometimes it's about doing things differently or doing less. More of a good thing, even taking care of others, is something we need to talk about in a new way. Are we living the way we want to or the way we feel we should be living? Simply put, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. And we've all heard about the air mask on the airplane analogy, that you should put on your air mask before you help others put on theirs. But nobody talks about what you do when the air masks don't drop and you have to go find them, or when the plane's on fire and going down and the air masks don't work or don't fit you, and now what? or you're the one in the back getting snacks or using the bathroom when the air masks are needed, or a million other scenarios that could happen. I might be missing the metaphor, but I don't think so. I think I'm really hitting it hard to say we are all the exception, and this is not a one-size-fits-all situation. We have to account for that when we talk about how to take care of ourselves. Better self-care really means showing up in the world and contributing in a better, more intentional, meaningful way. We're not just talking about our schedules and physical self-care. We're also looking at emotional, mental, and spiritual self-care. There's an element of what Neil A. Maxwell calls being spiritually intact that we're exploring in this series. Our spiritual life, how we see ourselves fitting into the world, how we see our strengths and weaknesses, what our purpose is and our relationship to God or the divine in our lives is also part of self-care that sometimes we compartmentalize as separate from how we care for ourselves when it's really at the core of our self-awareness and intention. So don't throw away the face masks or that new scented candle, but don't stop there either. Just listen in for the next few weeks as I make fun of myself for trying new things and having conversations about how to think about self-care in new ways that will help us all be more intentional about living a good life. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. It's hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by McKay Menden and Becca Hurley with help this week from Tabitha Freitas and with music and post-production by Sam Clausen. You can find more of The Lisa Show at byuradio.org slash lisa. And you can submit questions to the Council of Moms or chat with other Lisa Show listeners by connecting with us on Instagram and Facebook. Next week on The Lisa Show. If I said (laughs) self-care in the 1800s, what would that look like, do you think? In the 1800s? Just living past the age of 30 is probably (laughs) self-care. Self-care. Not getting dysentery. (laughs) 
That's next week on The Lisa Show. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.